in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. Rich Strike won the Kentucky Derby. He was an 80 to 1 long shot, had the worst odds in the field, and had one of the best come from behind wins. Not that I'm a horse racing expert, he but like that I've nowhere, ever seen like in the nowhere. Kentucky Derby. And the, the fascinating part is watching it live, I had no idea that horse was about to win until the final whatever. Right, right. Two furlongs, whatever the hell they call it. I don't know how long these things are. No idea this horse was about to win until about two seconds before right. across the finish line because the view that was the best and the view that I almost wish we would have watched live, the overhead view of Rich Strike passing like 15 horses was unbelievable. But from the live view, you could barely tell this horse was even coming Yeah, because he was end. on the inside, so right. you couldn't even really see him. But the overhead view was incredible. And I, horse was just faster than everybody else on the track for the last a quarter of a mile. You see that horse afterwards biting the other horse. Oh, greatest horse! I mean, what, that horse was what incredible. What was that about? I love that horse. I mean, he was jacked he up. He was great. He. They should have put him right I mean, back in the gate, have him raced again. He would have uh, won again. Just keep going, baby. He was jacked up to where the uh, post post race. Uh, I will have no went. accusations. <laughs> I mean, of he was he was absolutely use. jacked up, biting that other horse. I'm he wouldn't stop. Hear he it, almost Ed. took the other jockey off. He's biting the reins. Like, hey, what's what's wrong with you? That, uh, listen, what's wrong the, with you, Richie. The horse that won the Kentucky Derby, I'm pretty sure, was getting punched by that guy. On the other horse because Rich Strike was biting that <laughs> I know, guy's he's horse. He's biting that horse. And biting the reins the guy it was, was awesome. trying to hold. I love like, that horse. Like, what's wrong with you? Horses, I don't even think they just had to like take that horse away from everybody. There was zero celebration with the horse because he was insane. <laughs> love that horse. He was incredible. And also, the horse that finished third, Zandon, he was insane before the race started. He had his tongue flopping out the yeah. side like he was a bulldog that can't control his tongue and was over here like hitting his head against the little guide horse that was taken to the gate. These horses are great. I just want the ones that are completely insane and then run really fast. Don't I know what got, happened. Uh, get rich strike to the uh, I'm not going to have these accusations. The, uh, barn and maybe, uh, I don't know. Um, Take a little test. Not having the, They didn't even know the horse was racing in the Kentucky Derby until like two days before. Not even well, two days. Well, you got to jack him up. Yeah, well, he might have been. They're like, hey, he's not racing anytime soon. Let's get the roids in there. No tests are coming. That's crafty wording right there. I give you credit. Another one seed that might be in trouble. The Sixers beat the Heat in game four. That series is now tied at two games apiece. Your guy, James Jimmy Harden. Harden, finally was the best player. 31-9-7. He snapped. It was 15 straight games and 13 straight playoff games where he had not scored 25 points or more, which seems insane to think because James Harden, like, what, three years ago, was right. an unbelievable offensive force. Snapped that streak. He hit six of his 10 three-pointers. He was... I mean, the best player on the floor in that game. Okay, Jimmy Butler went for 40-something, so maybe we should say Jimmy Butler was the best. But he was the best player on the winning team. They get that out of James Harden two more times. Then they have, they have a chance to win the series. The Sixers are going to the Eastern yeah. Conference Finals. If. It's a big if. They've gotten it once in, in two 15 se- games. In two series. Yeah. So I'm not convinced they're getting that again. Because here's the part that was interesting to me. Joel Embiid 
had a had uh, good numbers. Joel Embiid didn't get a lot of easy shots in that game. He was shooting some. He banked in a three in the right. first quarter. He had a couple of like falling away fifteen foot mid range jumpers. Like Embiid was not getting easy shots, which I which I think is a big point going forward for Miami to have a shot. Um, but yeah, Sixers have a legitimate shot. You know what's been fascinating? I feel like this has happened more than ever. The three-point variance in these games has been insane. Because this is another one. Philly was 16 to 33 from three. It's 48%. Miami, 7 of 35. We've had so many games where either one team will just shoot horribly from three. And the other one's amazing. Yeah, it's it, it feels very NCAA tournament-like. Where you have teams that get eliminated because they shot shoot. one of 18 from three. Yeah. And it's just one of those nights. Or the other team was just unbelievable from three. It feels like we've had that a lot. Hell, hell, the Warriors had it where they shot like, what was it? 18% right. in the game they lost to Memphis. And then they in the followed game in it up. Memphis, game two. Yeah. And then game three, they're like, yeah, we're just going to make every single three right. we throw up. So it's, we've had incredible variance with three point shooting. And I normally you look at it and say, well, Philly shot unbelievable, right? Uh, Dallas shot unbelievable. They're not going to keep that up. But if they do it just like once, that might be enough to swing the series and, and pull off the upset of a one seed. What do you think? Nikola Jokic is going to be named MVP, Joker. according to Adrian Wojnarowski. Any hot takes on this? He had one of the great, I mean, he had one of the greatest efficiency in yeah. seasons in the history of basketball. I have no problem right. with this guy's being the MVP. I don't either. Um, <laughs> yeah, his his numbers this We're like year, video games. Right, are some of the best, if not the best, advanced stats you'll have ever seen from a player. Do you think, though, they should wait to give out MVPs until after the postseason? And this could be true for basically all of our sports because we do. All of our sports treat like their MVP as the regular season award. Right. Everyone does. Should there be a, hey, well, we wait you have the, the MVP over? of the playoffs, right? The, the finals. The MVP. finals MVP. Right. So 82 games comparative to the playoffs. I don't have a problem with the way they do it. I don't either. I'm perfectly fine with, with the regular season. I would make one change to it. Announce it before the playoffs start. Okay. Yeah, because they have the votes. Because right. you, you send in your votes right after the regular season. Or maybe a couple games before it right. ends. Announce it before the playoffs start. That yeah, way because we're not, he's out. Right. And now you're going to have, well, how didn't they do MB? Exactly. How didn't they do this guy? We're not sitting here in round two being like, oh, you're giving the MVP to a guy that got eliminated nine yes. days ago? Yes. Do it after the season. Yeah, there's no sense. Right after the season. You, should, you can do all awards. The votes are in. Right. If it's a regular season award, tell us. Before the, the end of the regular season. Right. Or wait until the entire season's over. Like the NHL does the NHL awards after, after the season. The season yeah. And it, they're still regular season awards. But after the season, they say, hey, here's all of our award winners. Do it at the very end, not randomly in the postseason. Oh, Nikola Jokic has been out for two weeks, but he's winning the MVP. Yeah, great question. Yeah, again, great question. The Las Vegas Aces have started the season 2 and oh So they opened the year crushing the Phoenix Mercury 106-88. to Last night, their home opener, they beat Seattle 85-74. to Here are some three-point numbers for you. Last year, Aces dead last in the league, shot 13 and a half threes per game. So far through two games, they took 21 against Phoenix, made 11, and they took 18 against Seattle. So they're almost averaging 23s per game, which would be almost seven more than they took last season. Uh, what's interesting is that's not even a lot by WNBA standards. 
right? If they take 23s per game for the entire year, they're probably going to end up right around the league average. They're not going to be on the high end. That's how few threes they were taking. They taking before. under Bill Lambeer, right? That they can improve by like seven three three point attempts a game and still be average, and still just get that's all it takes to get to average. So that's been that's been one of the main box score changes from this team that we kind of expected going in. I'll say just from watching, we also I guess expected this, but I'm amazed just in general how many possessions they have where there's nobody standing in the paint. Nobody has a foot in the paint, and there's enough space for either Asia Wilson to attack, but honestly, for everybody to for attack. Everyone Kelsey to attack Gray, Jackie dribble. Young's done it too. There, there are many possessions where there's nobody in the paint. You go back to last year, the year before. It's all clogged up. There's usually like two people in the paint. Right. There's usually like, eh, Cam Beige Cam is the Beige, low block. And Asia. Asia Wilson's at the elbow, right? Now it's there. there is a lot more space out there, which is probably going to be a good thing but i will say this bill lambeer's teams were very good in the regular season they were always like number two in offensive rating or sometimes number one their problem always came in the postseason so in reality judging becky hammond and this aces team it doesn't really matter until the postseason right right? they're gonna be one of the top three or four teams in the wnba regular season that's not really a big question mark it's gonna be is she enough to get this team through the postseason and win, and win a title. Happy to move on to the, to the next question here, Aaron. Darcy Kemper is fine after getting a stick to the face. Did you see this? I didn't see it. I know, I know he had left the game. I, that's so all. Colorado's goalie in game three got poked in the face through his goalie mask with a stick. Now, there's just enough room in most goalies' masks that a blade of a stick can fit through there. But it, you know, has to be in the exact right angle or whatever for it to happen. And it did, and he basically got stabbed in the face with a stick. He had to come out of the game. Colorado still won game three. They're up 3 nothing on Nashville. But yesterday, Jared Bednar said that Darcy Kemper is fine, and he might be able to play in game four, which is not necessarily for this series, but good for the Avalanche that Darcy Kemper at least appears to be good to go or should be good to go at some point in the future because... I mean, do they need him for game four? Not for this one, but for the for, <laughs> for the next round, yeah, for the next two round they, they would need finals, him, yes. Darcy Kemper gives them far and yes, away the, the best, best chance, chance to win. win. Yeah. But it's yeah. just... I mean, how... Here's, here's the thing to me. If I'm a goalie and I'm wearing this big-ass mask, right? <laughs> and you're telling me that somebody's stick was poked through the holes in this mask, I'm going to be pretty upset. I'm going to be pretty furious that somebody poked me, stabbed me in the face. Like, how the hell did this happen? Of all the things that could have happened, I'm wearing this big mask on yeah. my face. Like, come on. I'd be pretty annoyed if I was him. And people are very excited about those masks, by the way. Well, the designs are. The designs, yes. They're Well, yeah. The who's designs the, of the masks. I don't, who's the Predators goalie? His looks like an unfilled coloring. Is it still book. Peke Rene? No, it's I can't remember, but his looks like an unfilled coloring book. It's white <laughs> with like blue lines, and it just looks like a kid's coloring book that hasn't been finished yet. Next question. Sacramento awesome. Kings. Well, we'll, we'll uh, get to we'll get to Paolo was... Ben Mahomes. Buffoonery. But the Sacramento Kings 
are hiring Mike Brown as their next head coach, according to Adrian Wojnarowski. He's been a Warriors assistant for the past few years. He was LeBron's coach in Cleveland for five years. Uh, he had a 71-game stint as the Lakers head coach over two years. Um, the interesting part about the Kings, though, is that they have not made the postseason in 16 years. And I don't feel like it matters what coach. I don't think I I was just going to say whoever they hired, you're going to make a lot of money uh, for a while, for three or four years, whenever they fire you next. And then it's on to the next guy. This is one of the worst franchises in sports of any, of any, of any sport. You are. It's probably of, I'm trying to think of all of our North American pro sports teams. It's probably one of the highest guaranteed that you're going to walk in Lose a Lose, lot, make a lot of money, and, and then get fired. Like I'm trying to think, who else should be on that list? Detroit Lions. Yeah, but even they, I think they, I think the Lions have more hope than the Kings. I don't know. Didn't they fire Jim Caldwell after he had a winning season? <laughs> that's, that's one more winning season than the Kings have had. In you mean uh, in terms years. of longevity, not in the moment? Yes. Oh, there's not many. Yeah. I was going to say, you can get really bad teams right now that are right. awful, right, terrible, but who have in the past done something, made a playoff here or there. But if you if you were a pro sport, if you're a fan of any pro sports team in the United States, who has less hope than the Kings? Well, you went to, you went to football. Maybe the Texans? Detroit. Because they're riding with Davis Mills? <laughs> yeah, Maybe? But, but they... <sighs> I mean, they haven't been that bad for that long. Maybe it's, the Reds right now. They don't. No, know that's what I'm saying. In the moment, the Reds, <laughs> but the Reds have not been horrible for right. 16 years. This team's been horrible for 16 years. Uh, the Knicks, maybe. A they little. went to the playoffs last year. No, they won it. They won uh, a playoff game. Only one, but they won a playoff game last year. Yes, I don't believe the Knicks are winning a title anytime soon, but they literally won a play. They were the four seed last year. Like that is. That's better than than anything, anything the, the Kings, Kings have done. Have yeah. done, and I think Kings fans expect to happen for the next yes. sixteen years. What like, Kings fans? That's a good point. Yeah, should they come to Vegas? I know they just got they have a new brand arena. new arena they, up there, which is amazing. I don't think they're going us. anywhere. Yeah, yeah, bring them here anyways. It'll be fine. No worries. Great question. All right, here we go. Martin Bundle of Sky oh, Sports. Hilarious. Um, during the F1 race in Miami yesterday, walking through a crowd of people, interviewing famous people, thought he was interviewing Patrick Mahomes, but it was actually Paolo Bancaro, who is uh, probably a top five pick in the NBA draft from Duke. One of the best interview mess ups that we've seen. Oh, yeah. It's hilarious. And uh, then he <laughs> then at the end, he kind of blew, blew Bancaro off, said, uh, oh, you know, you're not who you were. And he said, no. And then he walked to me and said, yeah, whatever. <laughs> This was the guy who asked a stupid question. Like, no, you're not the one who should be saying whatever. It should be Paulo Banchero saying, yeah, whatever, get out of my face. He, like, didn't even get mad at himself. He's like, yeah, whatever. He's walking through the crowd talking to everybody. I want to see the video and audio from the TV uh, production truck when they were trying to tell Martin Brundle that that was not Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Like, because you know... he's got something in his ear. Right. Yeah. He's being talked to the whole time. Yeah. And you know, he walks up. He He's probably telling them, I see got, Patrick, I got Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes. I got Patrick Mahomes. Then they go to it, 
and they probably they probably don't assume he's wrong. They probably like, all right, there's Mahomes. And then at some point, yeah, they're Brady like, and Jordan were there, right? At some point, they're like, wait, that's not Patrick Mahomes. Nice. And then they're like, who is that? <laughs> who is he talking to? What is your right. name? And then they've got to get in there and finally be like, Martin, that's not Mahomes. That is not Patrick. And he's like, apparently, you're not who yeah. I thought you were. And then he walks away. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> Coming up next. What the hell's up with the Grizzlies and the Warriors? It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. What's going on with the Warriors and Grizzlies? What, what are we doing oh, here? They're hurting each other. They're injuring each other left and right. John Morant's now expected to miss game four of this series. Warriors are up two to one. Game four is tonight. We have had uh, game one. Draymond Green gets a flagrant two and an ejection for hitting a guy in the head. Game two, Dylan Brooks gets a flagrant two and an ejection for hitting Gary Payton in the head, trying to block <laughs> a shot. And then Payton <laughs> injures his elbow. Dylan Brooks gets a one-game suspension. Uh, and then game three, John Morant leaves with a knee injury. Jordan Poole pulled on his knee is that the I verb can't, we're using here i can't tell because he's being double teamed and they're both going for the ball and jordan Poole reaches in he grabs his knee there's no question about that how hard he pulled or what damage he did i've got to be honest with you i said this during the break to you watching it back and i'm not saying i mean john morant you know he's an incredible player i'm not saying he's not hurt um because i he obviously is but did you get the sense he caused that much damage? It didn't look like it was like, you know, if he pulled it back and, the, you know, he spun around or stuff like that. But he just looked like he kind of pulled it a little. Right. Uh, I think there's a fair question as to if John Morant actually hurt his knee on that play. And if it happened earlier in the game. Uh, the Grizzlies have come out and said, hey, John Morant told us he was feeling good. And then that happened and he got hurt. But Jordan Poole reaching for the ball grabs his knee a little and again pulled as he kind of pulls it but not like he didn't even kind of move his body he right. didn't pull it hard enough to where John Morant's body moved it's a very it's a very strange situation but here's the thing after the game Taylor Jenkins the Grizzlies head coach got asked if he thought Jordan Poole did it on purpose and his response was I'm curious John Morant tweeted then deleted a video of it saying broke the code, which is a shot yes, of Steve, Steve Kerr, Kerr, who said Dylan Brooks broke the code. Like, what, what what are we doing? Like, is this a dirty series or are these just sort of like threes? Of all three, I think this was the least right. uh, severe of any of them because I don't even know as he's reaching for the ball if he knows he's going to grab his knee. He's, I just, breaking the code obviously is a shot of Kerr. <laughs> I don't think he, if you watch it, they're both going for the ball. They're double teaming him. They're reaching for the ball. If you told me he didn't even know he was going to grab his knee, I would completely believe you. I think he was yeah. reaching around him to try to get to the ball. It's, I don't know. It's been bizarre. There's been three issues in all three games so far, but I don't feel like this is a dirty series. No, I don't think it's a dirty series. It just happens that these plays of occurred um like i said i'm not even going to talk the, the, the knee thing i i don't even think was that big a deal the other two we've talked about it um i think one was reputation and i think two you said it last week if he doesn't fall to the ground and is hurt it's probably a flagrant two but he doesn't get ejected 
If well, it's he gets just, ejected, it, but not suspended. Uh, excuse me, flight, flight or yeah. two, he gets ejected, but he doesn't get suspended yeah. because he did come over the top. He did swing his hand. He, he did swing his arm. I get that, but he doesn't get ejected if if you know that that that, that he doesn't go down and hurt himself yeah. and is out for the rest of the series. If he just jumps right back up and takes two free throws, then it's a flagrant two ejection, right. just like with Draymond. Game three of that series over the weekend, the Warriors scored 142 yeah. points. Ouch. <laughs> they hit 53% from three. Here's the, the Warriors, they only took nine shots at the rim in that game, made eight of them, but they also made 65% of their shots in the paint that were not at the rim. Like, they were unbelievable from every part of the floor in that game. The Grizzlies not having Ja Morant, is probably going to be the reason they go down 3-1 and end up losing this series. But the Grizzlies probably not being able to guard the, the Warriors well enough is going to be the real reason they lose this series. Yeah, and I don't put, I'm sorry, I don't put any stock into it. Well, look what they did with John Morant in the regular season without John Morant. The playoffs, completely different right. thing. It's on the road. It's against a great team. I don't think that has, they're laying, or not laying, they're getting 10 and a half. Yeah. So they're, they're not going to win the game without him. Yeah, and like the only way they do is if the Warriors do what they did in game two and shoot 18%, 18% yeah. If they shoot 18% from three, then... Memphis, Memphis has, has a chance, chance. but yeah. that's the thing. They shoot eighteen percent from three. Memphis has a chance. Memphis might right. still they lose. still they could still lose on the road because yes, the Grizzlies are are more than just John ja Morant, but it's hard to see them scoring enough to beat the Warriors without ja on the floor. And even and if John ja Morant plays, because he still hasn't officially been ruled out, but even if he plays, he's got to be really good. And by the way. Even if he does get ruled out at some point, we just saw Joel Embiid be go, go from ruled out to playing in game three. Right. So maybe John Moran ends up playing anyways. But yeah, it's been a strange series. Quickly on the Bucks and Celtics. Uh, Bucks won game three to t- now lead it 2-1. The switch in, and take Tatum for an example, like you were saying, the switch in game to game is amazing. And it's just like I'll liken it to the uh, hockey series between Toronto and Lightning. This is, I saw it on Twitter yesterday, which I loved. These games and these players going back and forth in terms of their great performances, whether it's Chris Paul or Jason Tatum or whoever, is the greatest argument for what you and I say is that momentum doesn't exist. <laughs> doesn't exist. There's no such thing. The 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 amazing differences between game to game in these in these series and the and not only the series but individual players has been amazing. Yeah, Tatum was four for nineteen in game three. Yeah, which is like unspeakable. And what was he bad. in game one? Uh, he was, uh, yeah, he, he struggled in game one too. Yeah. He is on two pointers only 11 of 32 in this series. He's right over 33% on two pointers in this series, which is terrible. And like you look at defensive numbers so far in this series, Milwaukee and Boston, their offensive ratings are 97 and 101 would be far and away the worst in the NBA over the course of the regular season. And just in the postseason, Philly is the next worst and they're up to 107 now after last night's win, these two defenses have been phenomenal. And I lean towards like the offenses have struggled and maybe you can be concerned, but I think this might be the NBA finals right now. I, the Bucks Celtics, I think this might be the NBA finals. Cause you look at all the teams defensively, the heat are pretty good. The Suns have been good, but I think the winner of this series, we're talking about, they've got the best defense left in the NBA playoffs. And I think the series wins the NBA finals. Do you think Marcus Smart got fouled? Yes, uh, I, th- he, I think he probably it was got a fouled. shooting foul. 
um, the one benefit of the doubt I'll give to the refs is that he was not facing the basket when he started to jump. And there was like zero chance Marcus Smart was actually going to make that shot. But it was a shooting foul. He should have had three free throws. No doubt about it. He should have had three free throws on that shot. I mean, it's the NBA. We talk about continuation all the time where a guy's not even close to shooting yet and he still gets a shooting foul out of it. That was a shooting foul. He should have had three free throws. Coming up next. Q joins the show. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. You can hear Q over on Raider Nation Radio on Unnecessary Roughness 2 to 4 p.m. every day. You can also hear him right now. Good morning, Q. Hello, How Q. are you? How are you, man? Hey, how you guys doing, man? That 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 intro music right there is fantastic, man. I gotta have some more of that. I like that. Oh, don't give Jared compliments. He doesn't need it this morning. <laughs> He's been holding an ice pack on random parts of his body today, so we haven't heard oh, much from Jared. Man. That's the biggest contribution to the show. I don't even know what's hurting on Jared. He keeps putting in different places. Right now, it's on his shoulder. Everywhere. Wow. Everywhere, Everywhere hurts. hurts? Wow. Okay. Do you want to go like stand in the refrigerator or something? If that was an option, yes. Okay. All right. So, all right, Q. Um, we don't have a lot of details on this, but what do you make of the Mark Davis, Dan Ventrell news from Friday, where the Raiders president is no longer the Raiders president, and then Ventrell comes out and says that he was fired in retaliation because he brought up uh, that there were written complaints about how Mark Davis uh, created a hostile work environment. What do we do with that news when we don't have a whole lot of details on it? That's a million-dollar question that we're trying to figure out right now. I mean, we've got to talk about it, right? We've got to figure out what's going on. Uh, it's obviously very important. Uh, it's major allegations, and it's crazy because myself and Ed have been talking all off-season long about how it's really been drama-free. Then all of a sudden, boom, here you go. You have this situation where now there's some some drama. And, you know, when the statement came out from Mark Davis saying that you know, Ventrelli was no longer part of the team. It was so short and to the point and no thanks for your time. We wish him well. So you knew it was something. It wasn't just, hey, this guy decided to go in a different direction, you know. So uh, then all of a sudden you hear the statement or you read the statement later on in the RJ about, you know, about the allegations and you realize, oh, man, this is pretty serious. And so I just kind of been taking a wait-and-see approach of what comes out and, and how much information is going to be, you know, told that's the truth you know because we got you know three sides of every story the one side the b side and then there's obviously the truth in the middle somewhere so uh this is this is a a very weird situation because we see other organizations go through this you know we see what's going on in washington to the extreme we saw what went on in carolina uh that was a situation i mean this this could end up being really bad uh or it could end up being i don't want to say a whole lot of nothing but it could end up being very minimal but at this point we really don't know yeah, Q, one thing we said this morning is we don't know, but Ventrelli uh, comes out with very specific complaints, says he has written complaints. Mm-hmm. To go this far, uh, as Tyler said, he's either the greatest liar in the world or he has something, and he better have something. Because if you're going to come out and say these things, especially about written complaints, at some point I would assume someone, whether it's the NFL or whoever, is going to want to see these. Right, exactly. And so, I mean, he said that he's reported it to the NFL. You know, they also have said that, got counsel um you know and the one thing i'll say is i don't think that if he did have all that i don't think that mark davis would just quickly fire him because of one how quickly this could spiral and go bad for mark davis with that being said i'm giving him a lot of credit and i don't know if i should you know what i mean like i mean we we just really don't know but yeah it feels like that there is a smoking gun somewhere but i mean you guys know 
he was just down on the strip at, at the at the draft. You know, he was just welcoming in everyone to Las Vegas with Mark Davis side by side. I mean, he's he's been everywhere with them. So I, it's just one of those situations where everything seemed like it was great until it wasn't. And so I don't know how much he has, what he has. Uh, I'm sure at some point we'll find out. But the NFL says that they're they're going to take a look into it. And well, the last time the Raiders or the NFL looked at anything Raiders related, we all saw what happened. So. Uh, this could end up being a bad situation, and, and it might not be. But, I mean, it's 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 not a good look, that's for sure. And, and it was an offseason that was drama-free, and I, I was actually pretty happy about that. And uh, here we go. <laughs> uh, didn't make it through May. Uh, no. <laughs> I'm, curious, I, I'm curious to find out how much information of this actually comes out. Because to right. use, like, the NFL investigations, like the Washington football team – they had an independent investigator, and then all of a sudden they're like, well, we didn't have her do a written report. She just gave us a verbal report, and you'll have to trust our word on what she told us. Like the, the NFL, if they control this, I feel like we won't really learn anything, but we've already had an ex-employee who's been fired come out and say, hey, there's written complaints about this. So I do wonder how much there might be made public from this scenario because the NFL, I imagine, wants to keep everything covered up. But Ventrelli might be able to be like, well, hey, I'm not going to let everything be quiet if this just gets swept under the rug. Right. And, and the thing about it is the NFL does a very good job of not letting us know any information unless they want us to. And, I, you know, I can go back to the Gruden emails. I mean, we all are are wise enough to realize that Gruden wasn't the only one that had stupid stuff written in those emails, but yet those are the only ones that we heard about. So I feel like that the NFL will let us know what the NFL wants us to know. And so if this is a situation that is really serious that, you know, these allegations that are going on, and look, there's been people leave the organization. You know, we've seen different people leave for different reasons. And, you know, there was, what, three people uh, last week after Ventrelli was fired on Friday? There was literally three people all last week that left the organization for one reason or the other. And, you know, to me, it, it makes me feel like what we saw last summer when, you know, Mark Bidane stepped down. Then all of a sudden that started the snowball effect where everybody was all of a sudden leading the organization. So uh, I don't think it's coincidental that Ventrelli, you know, was fired on Friday and, and those other guys that had left earlier in the week. And, you know, one person being in the HR department that had left, you know, the vice president of the HR department. So everything ties together. Uh, and I think that the NFL is going to, Allow us to know what they'll allow us to know. Like you said, they're very good at swiping, sweeping things underneath the rug, but it just seems like to me when it comes to the Raiders, they let us know a little <laughs> bit more information than other organizations. Hugh, we talked to an NFL executive over at the paper who said a few things about this. He said, one, he thought the worst thing they ever did was let go of a Dane, that they should uh, actually actually approach him about coming back. But if they wouldn't do that, they need to go outside finally. They did the they did so with the coach and the GM. They need to go outside for a president who could really enact serious change. Do you think Mark Davis will do that? I assume he will, given what happened with the coach and GM. And I don't know if there's anyone internally that he would ever name the president of his team. Right. No, I agree. And I think that that's something that needs to be done as well. And I was very happy that they did that when it came to outside of the organization for the front office and the head coach position, because I think that they need to get out of their, you know, the Raider way. And, you know, once a Raider, always a Raider and always got to keep it in the family. And they can't run it like a, a mom and pop anymore. You know, even though at one point that worked really well for them, but it's 2022, uh, you know, they're in a state of the art stadium. They have a state of the art uh, practice facility. I mean, everything is up to speed. They have to have that organization up to speed as well. I do think that they need to bring someone in that could be the president that's not 
has any ties to the team. You know, someone who's just going to go in there, handle their business, uh, you know, and make sure everything is ran the way it's supposed to do. I think that's just that's just biz, that's smart business because anyone who has emotional ties to to an organization or anything else like that just doesn't seem like it's it's taken care of the way it's supposed to. Does this situation have to be cleared up before they make a new president hire? Um, probably, <laughs> probably that might that might be a, a good idea or. You know, maybe not. Maybe because when I was at Baylor, and Ed knows very well when Baylor was going through their situation, they yeah, brought in, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, all new. They brought in all new people, and believe me, hey, I think I'm built for this kind of stuff. Because man, if I can survive through the the Baylor scandal, I can survive through anything. Because this, that was massive. But you saw changes. You saw different people be brought in. Uh, a new president brought in. You saw a new athletic director brought in, and they cleaned cleaned it up at the same time. They, they made sure that they did everything. So maybe not. Maybe the better idea would go out and get a, a president that is uh, not related to the organization at all and start to clean up all the mess. Whatever mess is there, start to get that thing cleaned up. Q, are you the problem? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe wherever I go, scandal follows. <laughs> yeah. I still got the sticker on the back of the car. We waved the, we waved the flag proudly on Saturdays, my friend. We waved the flag proudly. Uh, when are hey, we playing I'm not, basketball? I'm not bad, man. I'm not bad. When are we playing basketball? Hey, whenever you're ready, man. You know what I keep finding out, though? You guys are playing basketball at 2.30 every afternoon or once a week or whatever. Yeah. And everyone knows I'm on the radio at 2 o'clock, so that eliminates me from the game. So I think you guys are I think you guys are moving the moving the game to, to fit around my schedule where it doesn't – I can't play. I think, this is, I think this is done on purpose. I, it sounds like you're already making excuses. Oh, no. I'm, hey, look, man, I'm ready to play whenever, anytime you call, I'm ready. But between 2 and 4, I'm on the air. <laughs> so I can't do that. <laughs> All right. He's Q. Again, 2 to 4, like he said, not playing basketball. He's on Raider Nation Radio. It's Unnecessary Roughness. Q, we appreciate it. Thanks for joining Thanks, Q. us. Hey, appreciate you guys. Talk to you soon. There you go. Yeah, we played with uh, Greg Salerno from one of our rock stations here. He came and played with, with us the other day. How was Shooter? He? Um, he's not in shape. Trying one. Um, he's okay. Trying one. Trying one. You know, just go outside. Trying oh. one. <laughs> Heat <Yeah>. check. <laughs> he's listen for the for the short burst of energy that he's able to produce. <laughs> That's a nice useful. way to put it. Yeah, the short burst of energy. Yeah, he's he's but, solid, but <laughs> we gotta we gotta get that stamina built up. So you know, it's more than the first four possessions of a game of twenty one. What's the what's the guy? I can't remember the running back who said, uh, "If I if you need one yard, I'll get you one yard. If you need three yards, I'll get you one yard." <laughs> <laughs> like that's just, I got four good ones in me. <laughs> well, we're playing to twenty-one. I got four. <laughs> All right, coming up next, make Papa John the commissioner of the NFL. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. This is the press box. Coming up later in the show, we're going to have tickets to give away to go see the Doobie Brothers and tickets to go see the Steve Miller Band. So stay tuned. But now we've got a fun story from Papa John. He did an interview with Jason Whitlock. Oh, God. And here's what Papa John said. Dan Snyder and Jerry Jones hate Roger Goodell. They wanted, those two wanted, Papa John... (laughs) Papa John to fire Roger Goodell. Say that with a straight face. Papa John said, 
I said, no, this is not my job to fire your commissioner. He works for you. Remember, Goodell is a coward and he is incompetent and he is just lucky. Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboy, Indra Nui, former CEO with PepsiCo, and Dan Snyder all called me, several other folks, about Goodell's conduct and the way he was handling this. Jones and Dan Snyder wanted Goodell fired. This is like the 1st of November, end of October. They said and called, you need to take this guy out. You're the number one sponsor of the league, and as far as notoriety and acceptance and association, everybody loves you. They love Peyton Manning. We hate Goodell. <laughs> so Jerry Jones, with the most juice in the entire league, who can pretty much get anything done, felt the need to call Papa John in between uh, <laughs> slices of pepperoni and have this guy fire Roger Goodell. Take out Roger. Take out Roger. What, I mean, and when you hear take out, what, what, what does that really mean? Call in, call in Papa John. He's going to be the one to take out Roger Goodell. It's a great story. <laughs> I love Papa John after this. I love Papa John like you love the horse that won the Kentucky Derby. Why? Because he's unhinged? And you refuse. Yes, he's completely unhinged. He's completely out of his mind. Uh, did this happen? What? No. What part well, of this did happen? He might have gotten calls from someone who doesn't matter. Like, he might have gotten calls from underlings or something, or like some guy walks into a pizza store and says, You know, Papa John, you sponsor that league. You ought to really take Goodell out. And, and Papa John's mind, it was Jerry it Jones. Was Jerry talking. Jones that walked into if, his Papa John's. You cannot imagine my severe level of disappointment if the owner of my favorite team called John. <laughs> my, the owner of my favorite team, who has more power than anyone in the league, probably more than Goodell. Not more than Papa John, though. And called Papa John <laughs> and said, Papa, we need you to take we need you to take this guy out. There's, if that happened, I'm I'm relinquishing my loyalty to the team. I, like there's a, just no there's no way I believe this. A London street urchin. Now, Papa. Yeah, yeah. Now Dan Snyder. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Jerry Jones. I, I, I will say no. that. Even right, like I think right now, Papa John has more sway than uh, Dan, Dan Snyder. Snyder. Maybe Dan Snyder. I'd love to see a comment from Jerry Jones. Jerry, Papa has said Papa. that he called you. Or you called him, and you said, Papa, you must get rid of Goodell. We hate him. What, do you have any comment? I'd love to see Jerry Jones' face and, and have to comment well, on that. his face isn't going to move either That's way. True. Well, I was thinking about it in the shower. The, the other part of this that I love is the idea that, that Papa John's is such a big sponsor of the NFL that they could influence who the commissioner is when I'm pretty certain if Papa John had called and been like, we're dropping our sponsorship if you don't fire Roger Goodell. That the NFL or Roger Goodell would have been like, okay, Domino's is going to give us more money yes, than you're giving yes. us. We're the NFL. Like, Hello Pizza Hut. Right. Like, I mean, it's just... I highly doubt there's a limited number of people that want to sponsor the NFL. Hey, you can call me crazy. I thought Pepsi was their number one sponsor. Doesn't... I thought Pepsi was their number. Every time there's some huge, like that's that's the other part. The draft and all I see is Pepsi. I don't. Maybe I'm not looking, but I haven't seen Papa John's as much as I've seen Pepsi. So this uh, Indra Nui, who's the former CEO of Pepsi, maybe Indra Nui should have been the one firing him. And it's not Papa. Right. I'm thinking here that that maybe it's not Papa John's. That this is just something that Papa John said. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> They love you, and they love Peyton. He thought, yeah, he thought so. Um, let's see. This is a 
two-year-old story from January of 2020, Anheuser-Busch, $230 million. Was the number one sponsor? Yeah. Okay. Nike at 120, Pepsi at 100. Yeah. Papa John is not on this Papa list. Papa John's not even on the list. <laughs> it goes all the way down. Procter and Gamble, 15 million. Papa's completely delusional. <laughs> Papa, I mean, Papa also oh, oh, will wait, say wait, wait. Verizon Wireless, 300 million. Okay, so you say you haven't. First of all, you haven't gotten to any pizza. You haven't said one pizza company. Is Papa John's even a sponsor of the NFL? Did this guy lose his mind and believe I, he was a sponsor of the NFL and he's not even a sponsor? I'm pretty sure they stopped sponsoring the NFL once he said a specific word on a conference call <laughs> and the NFL went, Papa? uh, Papa, we don't want you anymore. I mean, is you the only right. tie they, they, they have to him is they the, pay Peyton Manning a lot of money? They ended this in 2018. Papa John's did sponsor them, but in 2018, Papa John's was no longer the official pizza sponsor of the NFL. So they haven't had a pizza sponsor in four years, and this guy two years ago came out and said he was supposed to have fire Roger Goodell. <laughs> this story gets better and better, better, not for Papa's side of things. <laughs> this is such a great story. Papa John. The entire premise of, hey, we, a couple of owners sitting around saying, we got to get you know, this Roger Goodell guy out. Who do we get to do it? Not Papa the Pepsi John. people or the Verizon people. We need that Papa guy from four years ago. Get Papa John. He'll get him out. <laughs> so, in reality, this is some made-up scenario in Papa John's head. Yes, in his own mind. Where he yes. was like, I had enough power to take down Roger Goodell, but I didn't want to yeah. do it. That's not my job to fire your commissioner. He works for you. Thanks, Papa. He did call Goodell a coward. He did. And incompetent. Yes. He took some shots at him, so he agreed that he should have been fired. But Papa John said, whoa, I've got a lot of power. This is not how I'm going to influence He said he was lucky that Jones called him and not anyone else. (laughs) That Goodell was lucky. Thanks, Papa. Appreciate it.